0: busy week lots to talk about um not as much as when you did point to point and we had to explain your excuses and whatnot for being three hours slower than last year but still a lot to talk about um nike oh, yesterday oh i've got
1: another hour worth of excuses we could go over i've, it, I've thought of more is, is, that is this
0: is this just dan's excuse hour should we rename the podcast i think spotify let me do that okay maybe maybe we can it's make, more accurate we can make t-shirts Anyway, uh, we're going to do a quick recap of uh, Nike yesterday, which was Snow Basin, correct?
1: Well, there were actually—I think there were three. There were three. NICA so bases. Snow
0: Basin. Which one were you at? I was at Snow Basin. You were at Snow Basin, and then what were the other two? I think
1: there was another one at like Cedar City, okay. and then there was another one at Richfield.
0: Okay. If we got that wrong, it's not that we don't love you; it's that there are too many of you to keep track of. No, I got um, that right. Pretty sure. I th- okay. Well, I you get lucky every. Right <clears throat> yeah, every 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 very once in a very while. Um, and then and then our main topic today. Should I spoil the main topic? Yeah, go for it. We're going to talk about fueling, which is related to, to hydration like last week. But I, I think dan, Dan's dan been very excited all day, telling me he has a whole lot of, of fresh, fun content for you guys. We'll throw in some hot, controversial takes, I, which I say in jest, you know, if, if there is a hot, controversial take with nutrition, it's usually stupid and intended to make money for some snake oil hack on Instagram or something, um, you know. It's, it's mostly no dust stuff. Of course, there's, there's an emphasis on fueling on the bike, um, you know, uh, instead of, uh, I think, nutrition, more generally speaking. Um, but, yeah, hop right into it. Okay. Now, before we begin, we do have a, a fun, exciting um, uh, kind of benchmark. The podcast has hit. We have a sponsor. Um, uh, many of you know uh, the Cochrans, uh, uh, Brent, and uh, noted Ken Tire enthusiast Joe, who have who have been really amazing. Not not just members of our team, but you know. Can I um, actually
1: interrupt and say something kind of funny about Joe?
0: You can try to, yeah. <laughs>
1: So, well, it's not that funny about Joe, but, um, yesterday at the, at the race, I was walking with my daughter, Amy, and we were, um, we walked past Joe Cochran's tent and she goes, isn't Joe kind of like your son, except one that you actually like. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny.
0: No, I mean, it's fair. You know, yeah, I mean, kinda, he is kind of true. He's, he's, he's quite a bit more pleasant he's than way more any, of, any of your offspring. I don't know what happened there. Um, but no, but you know the, the Cochrans are a um, really wonderful uh, a part of the cycling community around here, um, uh, and and Brent Cochran and the uh, the Norden Group of Salt Lake City um, are, are our first sponsor. Um, the Norden Group of Salt Lake is a, is a premier wealth management team. Um, uh, they 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 sponsored Maybird for a while, um, and it's it's exciting for us to to not only have this support but to have the support of like. A really pretty killer well you know well very well respected uh, player in the in the wealth management game um, and it's interesting people wonder why do portfolios or large institutions endowments pensions look so different when the portfolios of, of high net worth individuals and families I think a lot of people wonder that and uh, you know the philosophy at the Norden group is that once you have a million dollars of investable assets you should invest your portfolio like an institution um, you know, this, this approach leads to, to complete transparency. Um, you know, and, and some um, questions that people ask is, what do I really own? You know, how much am I really paying in fees? What costs am I, am I paying that are not disclosed? Um, would I be better off with a low-cost index fund? And at the Norden Group, um, you know, they, they conduct what's called a portfolio audit, which can, um, you know, reveal, uh, you know, these and other important details. So um, we'd like to thank the Norden Group. If, if you have wealth management needs, they're our first recommendation. And uh, really quick, we should note that investment advisor service is offered through Town Square Capital LLC, which is an S- uh, SEC-registered investment advisor. SEC registration does not constitute the endorsement of a firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability. Town Square is not affiliated with any other named entity. How was that? Was that pretty good? Not too shabby. Woo! First ad read. Anyway, um, thanks again to the, to the Cochrans. Uh, so, so Nica, how, how did things go? You know, these,
1: these Nike races are just, just kind of, it's kind of like payday for me. I just love going to them. Uh, I'm just amazed at how many of the kids I know. Um, and I just had a couple, I mean, there's, there's just too many awesome results and stories to, to share a lot of specifics, but I did have two takeaways I just wanted to bring up real quick. First one is, you know, when your in your freshman A and your varsity and your JVA type races, Um, I know most of the kids that kind of come in the top 10. I usually know most of them and I just know that most of these kids are there because they've been riding their bikes a lot. It's just so simple, you know? And, and I think a lot of the kids that aren't super happy with the results is it's because they're, they're not riding their bikes as much as they should be. And, you know, no time like the present to get out and start riding more. If you're not riding enough, and you know, there's some kids that are probably riding too much and might need to back it I was off a say, little that's, bit.
0: That's not everybody. Yeah. Um, you, you know, know there's, there I can, are other valid reasons to not be stuck with how you're doing. But you know, like you said, yeah. like if, if cycling has been your B or C priority this year and you're, and you're getting to Nike and realizing that you're maybe a little farther back than you'd hoped, you know, now's the time. There's know.
1: still time to get faster. There's, there's time still to get time fast. to get more time on the bike
0: and, and there's cross if, if Nike doesn't work out. So you've got lots of options. Get, get out and ride.
1: Yeah. So and then the other the other thing I just thought was kind of cool is um, I, I I stayed and watched the the girls race. And there was one girl who's been working really hard this year, Helena Archibald. And, and she there's just one part I thought was just super cool because she kind of she kind of pulled a little bit of a Nino where she kind of just took off and and kind of just led the whole race and, and won it quite handsomely. But I was up watching the race like I was watching on the main steep climb at Snow Basin, which is just brutal. And then we could kind of run up the hill and watch them where the main descent starts.
0: And One of my favorite spectator courses. I love it's, watching. It's, it's so Basin. beautiful. I was I bummed. I l- couldn't make it up there. Love being
1: up there. Anyway, before she came through, some of the, some of the lower division girls were riding their bikes through that section as she was about to lap them. And, and I saw several girls hit this kind of rocky descent part and I saw probably two or three girls crash, fall off their bike. They were just getting bounced around, bucked around. And Helena, who, who's actually really been working on her skills a lot this year, she's done some, um, some coaching with Leslie Zimmerman. She's been attending her clinics. And when she came through, she went through that section about two or three times as fast as these other girls in the lower divisions that she was about to lap. And her body was just smooth and level. The bike was moving completely underneath her while while she remained composed and and it just looked so professional and so awesome. And it was just so cool to see, you know, how you know, how her skills training and so forth has just made her just a smooth, awesome all around racer. It was really cool to see.
0: Oh yeah, like I mean if you could you could just zwift all year long. And, and, and get perfect, completely dialed in, um, you know, like like physical training. But when it, when it actually comes to like bike racing, you know, it's pretty rare that you see somebody with bad handling skills win a race. You know, generally when people win a race, it's because they're a well-rounded athlete. And the, and the other thing is, it's not just that she went through two or three times faster, it's that she's not at risk of crashing. You know, that like uh, at the front end of the race, you see, It's again, it's not just that they're getting through stuff quicker is that, like, their races are smoother. They're not running into as many problems. And not just crashing, like, having mechanicals, too. You know, she's not going to hit a rim and puncture as, as often as, you know, somebody who hasn't been working on their on their handling skills.
1: Oh, yeah, the girls going half her speed were crashing. I saw several crashes. There were slow speed crashes. But, but yeah, she was safe and control.
0: It was just an awesome part of the sport. Oh, yeah. And, and it's, like, it's important to remember that even at NICA, you're still going to have, you know, like, uh, you know, technical descent portions where um, you know, where, where handling skills come into play. Like we joke that Nike is dirt, you know, a lot of Nike races are kind of dirt crits. And that's, that's somewhat true. You know, I, I think there's some truth to that, but, um, do not neglect your handling skills,
1: but just so many awesome results, so many racers just performing well. And, and it's because of consistency and riding their bikes and, and doing the work. it it's just awesome and rewarding to see.
0: It's a simple formula. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't know why anybody pays us to do anything, right? Well, I mean, nobody pays us to do anything, but you know, it's uh, it's simple stuff. You know, ride your bike a lot, and then uh, you know,
1: you you magically get faster. Yeah, there you go. So, Joe, um, I was driving in the kidnapper van with the Gibbons boys, mm-hmm. and they, I can't remember which one. I get them mixed up but one of them want, wanted me to ask you a question just okay. because they wanted to see what you'd say.
0: Okay, so really quick. I don't know what this... Dan, Dan has told me a couple times today that there is a question and that it's supposedly one that we're going to disagree on. I do not know. I have no foreknowledge of, of what the question is here. Now it seems suspicious.
1: But yeah. anyhow, and I'm, I'm going to paraphrase the question. So he wants to know which you think is more important. Okay. Okay, which would make you faster. Okay. 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 Switching from ardents to aspens. Okay. Or getting an extra hour of sleep a night.
0: How much sleep are you already getting? There's too many variables here. My quick, I know, I know how I'm supposed to answer this question. I think I think I think aspens. I think aspens over an hour of an hour of extra sleep. So they asked me aspens. this question
1: and I interrupted them and said the sleep. Okay. And they're like, Joe's gonna say the aspens.
0: Okay. And so they called it right. They, so so coming off Arden's, and of course there's so many variables, like um, are you already getting enough sleep? Because if you're getting three hours of sleep a night, maybe getting four is going to make a big difference. If you're getting nine, getting ten. Uh, all right, know.
1: whatever. Their, their whole point was that they, they thought you would care more about the equipment. I'd care more about the, the race prep and, and nutrition type stuff. So,
0: Well, aside from the insightfulness of the Gibbons twins, I, I do think – Tires are a big deal. Yeah. And Aspens are great. And actually,
1: the more I thought about them, you know, I could probably argue that either way. But I thought that was kind of a fun question that they asked.
0: I should say Aspens are whatever suitable Kenda alternative for exactly, for, for certain special sons of our sponsors. Um, <clears throat> I feel like I should throw that in there. But yeah, no, it's, I I could argue that either way. I think for most people, honestly, probably Aspens. Because teenagers are durable. Teenagers can get by with not a ton of sleep. Okay. This is, this is not... Fair. I do endorse sleeping. I think if you can get an extra hour of sleep, do. But like, you know, I think buying speed is more fun. You know? okay. Stay up with your friends an extra hour and buy some speed. That's my, that's my shtick. Okay.
1: I don't endorse that, but. If you job.
0: upgrade to access, you can get an hour less of sleep a night. Should we have like a sleep equipment, like exchange, like, you know, for like, for one fewer hours of or sleep, you can offset it Or what if you do,
1: with... you get good tires and sleep more?
0: See, but that's boring. Okay. That's, that's, which is funny that like, you know. I guess, I guess that's not, like, a choice anybody's ever had, you know, where they're having to, like, agonize over, like, should I get an extra hour of sleep? I'm trying to imagine the circumstances where you'd actually... <laughs> if I
1: get these new tires, I can't sleep that extra I guess, hour. I
0: guess if you like, if you're working in a sleep lab or something, maybe, I, I don't know. Okay,
1: well, never mind. Let's move on. I thought it was a fun question. Fun question. Good job, but for these ones. Anyhow, um, so, Joe, what's... Uh, I guess there's some kind of interesting news in the local pro cycling community.
0: Yes, yes. Uh, uh, Keegan Swenson, who... Who you should know. I'm, I'm going to come out and say that if you don't know who Keegan Swenson is, like, you know, turn off the podcast right now and go, you know, get in touch with bike racing. Um, Keegan Swenson will be racing at Road Worlds. and And this is a pretty big deal. This this there's no real precedent for this that I can think of. Like we we've seen. You know, um, <clears throat> road riders move over to the mountain. We've seen Vanderpoel move kind of from cross to road to mount. We've seen Peter Sagan did mountain bike Olympics. I can't think of a time where you've had somebody who's exclusively been a mountain biker get called up to road worlds. So that is unusual. Um, and of, of course, just as a quick reminder, you know the World Championships is the race where you win the rainbow jersey. You become world champion. You win. You wear the rainbow jersey for the rest of the year and get rainbow bands on your sleeve for the rest of your life. It is one of the biggest cycling races of the year. Um, Worlds is going to be in Australia this year for, for the road. And how many
1: people represent the US at Worlds?
0: Uh, depends. I, I think there's a whole lot of factors that go into deciding how many people each team gets. Um, I, I understand that in the past, and, and I think still now it, it's, it's, it is a function of, of performance. So you get a certain number of potential spots. So like Belgium, the Netherlands, France, Spain, usually get more than Rwanda you know um the U.S. historically has not performed that well at at worlds the last time we had an American road world champion was Lance Armstrong if that's result is still valid Hmm. somebody call me on that that I've heard of him yeah yeah right um you know uh It's roads, you know, road, and I could be totally wrong. Somebody's gonna like write in that there have been five American road world champions. I wouldn't be
1: too surprised.
0: No, I, I don't think. But the point is that, like, um, you know, we're kind of in an interesting spot this year, where, and this is really getting into the weeds, but essentially, to qualify to participate at the very highest end of of road cycling, you have to have what's called a world tour license. Um, there are are several world, I think about fifteen or twenty world tour teams right now. Um, being in the world tour, it basically secures you an automatic invitation to every big, meaningful race. If you are not a world tour team, you're what we call a pro continental team or a continental team, which are the two steps down from that. You do not have guaranteed entry at every race. You basically have to appeal. You say, hey, can we please do Paris-Roubaix? Can we please do the tour? Can we please do the Giro Whatever. whatever? And, and a lot of times it goes to lottery or the organization decides... So being, being a world tour team is important, and, and there's kind of a weird you know, situation with the UCI rules this year where several world tour licenses will be eliminated. And there's basically a competition right now where they're, they're saying if you don't get a certain number of points, you are not going to qualify for a world tour license next year. And there are, depending on how you count, I think five or six teams that are at risk of losing their world tour license. And these five or six teams happen to have a significant contingency of American riders. So if you're EF Education First or Israel Premier Tech or um, gosh, what else? There are a few other teams that are at risk. Basically, um, your team is coming to you and saying, "You don't do worlds for us." You're like, "You you can't do worlds this year." You know, we need you to come make you know earn points because if you're racing worlds, you're not earning points for us. So like, um, there are a few riders um, that aren't going to be racing. Uh, I think uh, like Nelson Palace is the is, best example. Is Sepcoos? sepkus is not racing but his team is he, he's on the best team in the world right yeah. now they're not worried about points but sepkus i think for a, a number of reasons is, is not going to be participating but no sepkus no um nelson palace no quinn simmons you know the kind of big american names um for a number of reasons won't be won't be competing this year and and keegan has been selected which is unusual because keegan i think he is the utah road state champion right now technically but like you know, 98% mountain biker. Like well, one, and gravel. Yeah, because, like, what, what big races has Keegan won this year?
1: Uh, Leadville. Well like, well, like, pretty much anything he's Leadville, entered.
0: Park City, I mean, or a, a point-to-point. But like,
1: pretty much everything he's entered, but.
0: Yeah, I think he came. Or didn't his, he come second in Leadville? He, no, no, no. He came second at, at uh, Unbound. Oh, gravel. Unbound, that's unbound right. Unbound, in that's a sprint right. finish, Duh. right? So, like, Keegan is the best American cyclist right now. I'm comfortable saying. I think he's pound-for-pound pound better than Nelson Palace or Quinn Simmons even, I mm. think. Um, they're different riders, of course, and and like the parkour, I think in Australia this year doesn't necessarily suit Keegan. I think it's, I think I think a a, a bigger sprintier guy, um, you know, one of our big sprinty boys will probably be world champion this year if I had to guess. But really cool nonetheless. And yeah. I think the one downside is it could indicate a, a, a move on Keegan's end towards the road side of things. I think I think realistically, if you're a professional cyclist, that's where the money is. Mm-hmm. Um, Just gotta pay the bills. Yeah, but you know. Yeah, something, okay, something to cool. think about. Cool. So, like, watch worlds this year. Go cheer for your local that's, boy. That's super awesome. I don't remember the last time we had like a Utah native representing at. Have we ever had a Utah native representing at Road Worlds?
1: Are you looking at me like I'd known? Yeah,
0: I was gonna say. There, yeah, right, tell tell me if I'm wrong. I just I don't think this is this has any significant precedent. But yeah, super stoked on that. Should we move on to fueling let's do fueling. So Dan, what's the shtick with fueling? Oh man,
1: I've got lots of stuff. I've been so excited for this. Um,
0: because it's so boring Dan's life is that he's excited about doing it. No, an this is really cool because,
1: fueling. because when you think about it, this is probably some of the lowest hanging fruit there is out there to help improve how we perform in our races and our hard workouts.
0: Right. As much as I'd like to slap you down more, that that is true. You know, I think there are a lot of people who buy an S Works and a trainer and a power meter, and a hyperbaric chamber to sleep in, but have not figured out fueling. I thought I'm this season for me has been a big opportunity to figure out fueling. Like it's it's an underrated aspect of cycling performance.
1: And that's the thing too. I can't think of a single person on our team. Maybe one I can think of, but there's really. Not a person I can think of in our club that I think just has this dialed, nailed, and does it perfectly.
0: No, we're all figuring it out.
1: Yeah, and it's and it's very individual and takes a lot of individual figuring out. But I think, I think a lot of us, this is an easy, relatively easy area of improvement because no matter how fit we are, like you could you could have like the perfect training plan, be completely have awesome fitness, and if you botch your nutrition, you're going to perform terribly.
0: Yeah, no, nothing matters if you completely if you drop run out of the gas bag on, yeah. on fueling on the day, you know, like yeah. You know, so XT versus XTR really doesn't matter when you didn't fuel properly, right?
1: <laughs> exactly. So you know, and in, in in some of our previous podcasts, you know, we first spoke about nutrition, and then we spoke about hydration, and now we're talking about fueling because really those three things need to be combined to have the best effect, you know, and just as kind of a just a quick recap so nutrition we basically established that you know as, as a lifestyle we really should adopt a mostly a plant-based healthy healthy diet with lots of variety lots of different healthy plant-based foods with lots of fiber lots of healthy protein sources such as such as lean meats and fatty fish um, eggs
0: eggs yeah eggs. That's my that's my contribution to this conversation because I, so. I eat like six eggs a day. I forgot about eggs. But, I'm in the pocket of big egg.
1: <laughs> you know, so so that as a lifestyle is just gonna help you be healthy. When you're healthy, you're ready to ride. Healthy healthy beats unhealthy any day of the week. So and then we talked about hydration where you know, when you're when you're sweating you should be hydrating with an isotonic mixture, basically, that 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 is osmotically balanced to your blood um, I, I know there's a tendency a lot of people think that more is better and they they come up with some rocket fuel concoction you just need to know that that's going to come at the expense of of proper hydration which will come at the expense of adequate cooling and adequate blood volumes so more isn't better when it comes to hydrating um, and then today kind of the third part of it is actually fueling and there's there's a huge distinction between like Nutrition and fueling and I hate it when people call like gels and, and shot I hate it when people call that nutrition that's not Yeah, there's nothing nutritious about it so it's, today
0: we learned that Dan does hate something and it's that that's the thing well, that's Dan's I
1: hand. like to call that fueling and then I like to call broccoli nutrition broccoli and potatoes nutrition so
0: take it's, notes everybody you don't want to incur the wrath of Dan by accidentally calling your cliff bar nutrition yeah that's, that's, that's my warning for the day
1: so, okay. So there's just a few things before I, I just kind of want to go over first before I, I have like a list of real simple takeaways, but there's some, just some, some cool things I want to talk about first. Um, so just, so when, when you eat food, your, your body converts that food that you eat to, to glucose. Okay. And when that happens, our body really, our pancreas releases a hormone called insulin and insulin it basically opens up some gates in our cells that that lets the the glucose into our cells and and either produce energy or or if there's excess, it's stored as fat. Um, and and those those gates are called um, they're called GLUT four transporters.
0: GLUT four transporters. Yeah,
1: and it's it's actually super important. Sounds like, like
0: something from Star Wars or something. Yeah.
1: So so yeah, so the insulin opens up these transporters, which makes it so our cells will absorb the glucose, okay? okay. Um, exercise, when you exercise, it also opens up these GLUT4 transporters. Okay. Um, and it has a similar effect to insulin without an insulin response. So, so, so basically when you're exercising, your body handles glucose completely differently than it does when you're sitting on a couch. Um, I mean, typically, excessive insulin response is bad because that's associated with increased fat storage. Okay. You know. Um, but when you're, when you're on your bike exercising, your cells are opened up to receive this glucose because of the exercise, not because of the insulin. Um, and this, in, interestingly, is, is the reason why we usually encourage people, well, not usually, we do encourage people, not to really eat before like two hours before a race, because what happens is after, you you know, after you eat your insulin spikes. And if you were to eat, just you like eat your oatmeal right before the race, like, you know, half hour before the race, um, your insulin would spike, which causes your blood sugar levels to drop, which kind of makes you could make you a little dizzy and, and but if you combine that with the same response, because you, you get a similar response when you exercise, it also lowers your blood sugar. Um, that combined can make you extremely um, hypoglycemic when you start a race, which is not a good thing to start a race with super low
0: blood sugar. So so what you're saying here is what happens is little Timmy the Nike racer um, waits until 30 minutes before staging, and then eats a bagel or oatmeal or whatever pre-race meal right before staging, ends up on the start line, and because of the combination of of um, these factors, basically ends up feeling like a dizzy, weak mess when the race actually starts. Exactly.
1: Yeah, okay. because your insulin's going to lower the blood sugar level, your blood sugar levels, and also exercise also opens those um, GLUT four transporters, and so your blood sugar would be really too low. So that's why we say don't eat two hours before a race.
0: Yeah so that well, not don't eat because technically the conventional wisdom is that you eat two hours before a race and then maybe do a gel half an hour before and then a gel 15 minutes before race? Well no like,
1: no we'll, we'll talk about, about that in a sec, but yeah, oh, okay. you would eat your you would eat your meal like your breakfast ideally mm-hmm. two hours before, okay. and then you would eat nothing until I would say probably 10, 15 minutes before you start. okay then you would start to to actually fuel the race itself so.
0: Okay, so doing that versus our first scenario with little Timmy the Nike racer, what, is, what are the processes at play that make him feel better when it starts? So if you eat two hours before and then take that gel 15 minutes before, what's going to be happening with your blood sugar instead?
1: Because when you're exercising, your body handles glucose completely different. It, it, okay. it skips the whole um, insulin response Got it. and the exercise alone is what opens up those transporters into your cells. That, okay. Yeah. So you, you don't have that double whammy effect. Got it. Okay. Okay, So that's just kind of some good, some good background information. So when we consume foods that are converted into glucose, um, we'll use that directly from our bloodstream. We'll take it into our cells. If we, if we're consuming more than, than we need, what happens is those become stored as glycogen and glycogen, all glycogen is is stored glucose. It, It can convert back to glucose. Um, when we need it later so glycogen is just stored glucose and if we continue to consume um, glucose beyond what you know say we completely filled up our glycogen stores and we continue to consume glucose it it gets converted to triglycerides and is stored as fat fat Okay. So,
0: so, so like that's the difference between me eating a moon pie on the couch and eating a moon pie during a six-hour bike ride, essentially, is what my body's going to do with that energy.
1: Yeah. In fact, if you're eating that moon pie during the ride, it would not even probably be stored as glycogen. That would just go straight to, to oh, glucose. Really? Yeah. Like, it would it'd be really impossible for that to be converted to fat while you're riding your bike. While you're sitting on the couch, it's highly likely that that would be converted to fat. Okay. because it happens so quickly and it it, and it triggers the insulin response which is going to make it be stored as fat quicker than if you're eating like a high fiber food that is processed more slowly has less of an insulin response that's really hard to make for that to make you fat whereas the moon pie if you're watching TV, could make you fat quickly.
0: But so, on the flip side, that apple's like that's why you don't see a pro take an apple out of their jersey in the middle of a stage or something. Okay, we're going to talk around,
1: about right? fiber. Yeah, fiber is your absolute I best friend. I always jump
0: ahead and totally trample. Yeah, all over Dan's no, fiber is like schedule. your
1: fiber is the most amazing thing ever. Except right before, during, and after. Well, maybe after is fine. But we'll, okay, we'll let you yeah. get
0: to that. So we'll, we'll get time. to that. It's like, the seg the segue arrived early.
1: Sorry, folks. <laughs> so your glycogen stores, which we said is just stored glucose. Um, at race intensities, you have about an hour and a half's worth of glycogen stores. Okay? Um, you know, and if you cons- if you can consume glucose during your race, that's going to help preserve those glycogen stores. So when you're when you're fueling on the bike, would you say, and I just want your opinion on this. Okay, would you say that there is a difference between consuming, say like, Gummy bears versus, like, commercial ride food,
0: like shock blocks and stuff. Ooh. In, intuitively, I would say no on, like, a very basic level. Like, I, I know that, like, scratch products are designed to be less inflammatory than a lot of other things you could eat or that they might be more ethically sourced. But, like, my thought is that, like, sh- sugar is sugar, no? Is is that is that misguided? I don't know what I'm supposed to think to make your, your little, you know, setup up here run smoothly, but really true like intuitively I feel like sugar is sugar and that a lot of the four dollar a gels you know kind of situation just kind of marketing and are stuff. kind of I'm, I'm hesitant to say that because I want someone to sponsor us but like it, it does kind of seem like a racket to me sometimes
1: okay and, and you know and that's something I used to think and I've told people that all the time before that you know like sugar is sugar and you know if you're using gummy bears or shop blocks it, it's all the same thing. Which is really not true, it, and I, I really disagree with myself if I said that a couple years ago. Okay. Um, and the reason for that is, and this is super important, so if, if you're bored, start listening now, okay?
0: Um, I think people that are bored stop listening before 30 minutes into the podcast. Okay. But for all of you bored people who decided to stick around because it's too much trouble to change over to Joe <laughs> Rogan or whatever, <clears throat> listen up, folks
1: okay yeah so sugar isn't sugar there's um so you've got monosaccharides and polysaccharides okay Got it. monosaccharides are just simple sugars they're just one type of sugar Um, polysaccharides are a combination so of the monosaccharides there's three main players one of them doesn't matter but two are very important like
0: your kids (laughs) (laughs) the math doesn't work perfectly there but that was that was was, too good of a setup to go with
1: that was pretty good okay So the important sugars are, um, first off, glucose, okay. which we talk, and this this second one's fructose, Okay. and the third one's galactose, which is what they which they use in Star Wars. That's or what Buzz Lightyear
0: likes. Oh <laughs> dang, you got there before I did. Okay.
1: And I really don't. There's, there's, They don't know a whole they lot let, about galactose. So we're just going to talk about fructose or, or glucose and fructose. And
0: galactose far far away. <laughs> I like that they let like the nerdy nutritionist name that one. You know. <laughs>
1: Okay, so glucose and fructose are, you would think they'd be the same. Okay. But they're they are completely different. Okay. They're completely different. The
0: fact that they have different names indicated that, but carry on.
1: Okay. So glucose is, you know, glucose is, is, is what a lot of foods get broken down to. Like if you eat some white bread or rice, they're, they're starchy foods that almost instantly get broken down into glucose. And glucose... It's just, it's just like a more simple sugar that's, that's the, that we can actually consume um, about, and this is important, about 60 grams of glucose per hour.
0: Okay. okay. Write that down. Cause this is important for like. Yeah. That, fueling that's strategy. really important. Six, write that number down. 60, 60 grams, grams per, per hour, hour is the max you can. Is the max. Yeah. Is, or probably the average max, roughly the average max most okay. human bodies can do. I would assume is probably the more responsible scientific thing to say,
1: but yeah. And glucose can also be called like maltodextrin and dextrose are basically the same thing as glucose. Like maltodextrin, um, I think it comes from like potatoes or something, it's actually used in really cheap, unhealthy foods, it, it's really inexpensive. But it, it, um, it acts just like glucose, only it's not very sweet, so it's actually used a lot in ride foods. Um, so fructose is, is processed completely differently. Um, so glucose, it goes directly into your bloodstream, it uses the GLUT four transporters. It it actually transports out of your gut using a different transporter as well. Fructose is processed completely in your liver, and it's converted into glucose in your liver. And there's there's just tons of unhealthy side effects from from fructose,
0: but. Um, and and
1: generally, just it's it's just not good stuff. So it's most, like high
0: fructose corn syrup is probably yeah one most people have heard of this, right?
1: Yeah, but the thing with fructose is most people can only process about twenty to maybe thirty grams of fructose per hour, and so if you're if you're fueling your rides with fructose, I mean you could be taking in sixty grams of fructose, but only processing only able to oxidize like twenty grams of it.
0: So what happens to the remaining fructose then?
1: Well, a couple of things. It can either be stored later, which is stored as fat, or it, um, it can give you diarrhea.
0: <laughs> Two awesome options. Sweet. <laughs> so so this is, I'm actually curious. So like if, if you fueled your ride on Haribo gummy bears, I'm going to assume are a high fructose corn syrup product. Um, any Haribo heads in the comments can shout out if that's not true. But we'll assume like your high fructose syrup, a corn syrup, gummy bears, or Starburst or whatever. So basically, saying that if I just pounded as many of those as I could during the ride, even while I'm riding, some of that could potentially be converted to fat because my body can only convert 20 grams per hour, correct? Yeah, and
1: I'm thinking it would more con- it would more just cause gastric distress, and it might just be there for Like your you body later. would just try to expel it basically. Y- yeah, you pro or you, you could just you could just use it later in the day or something, but. But yeah, it's really not good to primarily fuel your rides with fructose based candies. And most of the candy in the U.S. is fructose based, you know, and and that's and that right there is is one of the reasons that like commercially purchased um, ride fuels are better than just using candy.
0: Interesting. Well, I am curious now, so I'm going to ask the question that's on everyone's mind. Can I get 60 grams per hour? Of glucose fuel plus 20 grams per hour of fructose fuel, or is that not how things okay. work?
1: You should have waited like two minutes to ask that the, question. The
0: segues are just so off schedule. L- yeah. We should probably script this, but a L- little bit. I don't know. Like we both we both okay. sound like serial Spoiler killers. alert, right? Yeah, we both sound like serial killers when we script this. You know, <laughs> like I think to make this not at all personable, we kinda have to be a mess. So Yeah. You guys love that. You love we'll call it rustic. Isn't that what we call food when it looks bad? This is a rustic <laughs> podcast. <laughs> carry carry on down sorry call this podcast derailed by a segue <laughs> make shirts that say that what were we even talking about uh, probably like i don't know bikes or something <laughs> okay
1: yeah so so yeah so fructose generally is a less desirable thing to fuel your rides with so most of us like so like for for cross-country racing and for most of what we do Glucose is a preferred source of sugars for, for our rides and races and, and fructose it works, but it's, I mean, it's better than nothing, but it's not as good. So, so interestingly, like, um, like gels and, and a lot of the commercial products or have more glucose, but I would actually say like eating bread, like the King Hawaiian rolls or something. Um, I mean that that gets converted to glucose almost instantly rice I think a lot of these things would be so much better than actually using like gummy bears or even like I think Swedish fish has have, have a higher like actually use like um like sucrose which is table sugar which is actually 50-50 glucose fructose <laughs> um you know so there there are so yeah so basically you just want to you know under 90 minutes, you want to try to fuel your rides as much as possible with glucose.
0: Okay. okay. But when you're doing, so let's say we're doing a, one of our centuries at the beginning of the year, point to point or something like that. What changes when your duration goes over an hour and a half or so? Yeah.
1: So when you're, when you're in, when your duration changes, um, you are definitely going to deplete your glycogen stores for sure. It's going to happen. And you're. And when you deplete your glycogen stores, it sucks. Is, like, that, is that
0: what bonking is? That is exactly what bonking oh, is. Guys, I'm so, so on it today. This is cool.
1: So what happens when you bonk is you you run out, you, you deplete your glycogen stores. Now, your central regulator in your brain isn't going to let you completely deplete your glycogen stores or you will die. Um, what it does is it decides, I would rather have the brain... Have access to this glucose because that's what the, that's the only fuel the brain really uses, and um, and so it starts shutting it off to your legs.
0: It shuts off the taps to your legs to keep things flowing up at your brain, essentially, yeah. right? So it does a triage. It, it triage brain or legs more? <laughs> yeah, like Pro- probably a waste in your case. It likes your brain more. Okay.
1: And so I don't know if any of you have ever bonked. I'm sure
0: all of you have bonked. Everyone's bonked. If or you're the, listening to this, you've bonked. If you if you've ridden a bike more than five or ten times, you bonk. You know, yeah. It happens to the best of us. And, and like
1: man. like when I like when I've bonked and I have a power meter, I can't push more than eighty watts. Like it you go from kinda of fast to like nothing almost instantly. I
0: call it limp home mode.
1: Yeah, it's limp home mode. Yeah, yeah bonking is terrible.
0: Not fun. Would not and, recommend.
1: Yeah. And so Yeah. So most of us, so we have about an hour, hour and a half worth at at race pace stores of, of glycogen. Um, once we run out, we bonk, you know, so, um, you consume glucose, you consume calories as you ride to, so you're, so you're using that for energy to try and preserve your glycogen stores. You don't want to run those out because once you run them out, the, the stuff you consume won't keep up with, with your needs.
0: So once you've bonked, can you unbonk? Really, like?
1: Yeah, a couple of days later. Yeah. I okay. Mean, but yeah, like it, the
0: rest it, of that it, ride, you're in trouble.
1: You're in trouble. I mean, you can you can run on your blood sugar and you can keep, but you're gonna you're gonna be pretty limited in what you're able to do. Okay. I mean, obviously keeping your blood sugar high is gonna keep you going and so forth. But yeah, once you bonk, you're kind of in trouble. So you're really just trying you're trying to delay the bonk.
0: So, question. I've I've heard some people talk about doing like unfueled rides early in the morning or whatever. Is the idea to like? Is there any benefit to deliberately training bonked? Is your body going to burn more fat? That yeah, way, no, that's
1: fat adapted training, which there are benefits to it, but pro- but not for any of our youth athletes.
0: Pro- probably at a really dangerous and, tactic. And
1: to that's try. something that very few people really that like. They have so much more low hanging fruit to benefit from that fasted training is just. It's only necessary for like maybe like ultra endurance type people and, and people of pretty much doing everything else and just need something else to try. I would not recommend if it's th-
0: appropriate for you, you're probably the level of cyclist where you're paying someone more qualified than Dan or I, which is basically anybody to be telling you what to do. So like, yeah, so,
1: okay. Yeah. So I wouldn't worry about, I wouldn't purposely bonk to, yeah. Yeah. In fact, that, you know, just, just riding slow, like doing zone two rides naturally teaches your body to use fat as a fuel. I don't think, um, purposely fasting doing fasted rides is going to be beneficial so so yeah so you're, you're really trying to delay a bonk and on longer rides longer harder rides like point to point you 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 need more you need about to shoot for like like 90 grams is what a lot of people are saying
0: per hour per hour so this is interesting, how do you pull that off if your body can only process 60 grams of glucose? So hour? it can only...
1: Produ- yeah. So you do this by combining glucose and fructose because they use a completely different... like a completely different processing method in your body. The segue has arrived. So, okay. so it's, it's basically like opening two gates. Okay. And, you know, and traditionally the ratio has been two to one, two parts glucose to one part fructose. That makes it so you can, without any... GI distress, you should you know most people should be able to to process up to 90 grams. And this is really only beneficial in races that are over an hour and a half, like point to point or crusher or road races. Um, not a lot of you are doing those at this point in your cycling career, but you will be, so this is important to, to be aware of. Um, but but your races are shorter, so you know, flu- uh, fueling with, with glucose is better. No, I've heard a lot of people say, that fueling during a race isn't necessary because you've got enough glycogen on board to get you through. Have you
0: heard that? I've, I've heard that before. Is, is that maybe true in a cross race, but not a Nike race? Like what, what are your thoughts on that's
1: that? That's true. Yeah, absolutely. In a cross race, that's totally true. Um, especially for the varsity racers, they, they're out there for about an hour, an hour and a half. Well, they used to be even longer, but now they're more about an hour and a half, like a 90 minute race that's just long enough that you could easily bonk, especially if your glycogen stores aren't completely topped off before you start to race.
0: Which, like, let's face it, they're probably not. Probably not, yeah. yeah.
1: And so... But the other thing that fueling during a race does, and this is just something... I I disagree with people say that you shouldn't fuel during a cross-country race, because I totally think you should. Because, one, it's going to prevent the risk of bonking, but, two... um, you finish the, the race not as depleted, like your, your glycogen stores are gonna be more intact. Um, and so this just helps it so you can recover and begin training again quicker. It gets you back on the training track sooner. So, so I think it's super important to, to even fuel during a cross-country race, especially for the varsity riders who are doing longer races. I mean, the, the, you know, if you're just doing one lap, you're gonna be fine, you know, two. It might. It's not going to hurt, you know, and and I think it's good training just to be able to.
0: So, but, but three three plus laps. But yeah, for the varsity be.
1: riders, I think there's going to be a huge. And you can do up to sixty grams per hour, and it will be beneficial. You don't need to do more than that for the shorter races. But
0: so, like, how much does like like an SIS gel or whatever the most popular gel is that people on the team are using? How many? How, what, what's the kind of like breakdown of how much glucose those have?
1: Okay, so SIS gels, which are my favorite, as people know, because I'm always walking around with a box of so them, handing them out to people.
0: Not um, sponsored, by the way. Not yet. Yeah, just a fan.
1: <laughs> so they have about 20 grams of carbs, and it's from maltodextrin, which is basically glucose. Okay. Um, the the interesting, just kind of a side note, the reason that SIS gels are superior is they're isometric gels, which means they're osmotically balanced to our blood. And so when we take a cyst gel it's not going to draw water from our bloodstream to process. Um, it's in which helps ease gut distress and it helps keep you from dehydrating the whole and, is that and you, you
0: don't need water to, to have a, that gel be effective whereas with other gels you might correct
1: yeah and, and and two it just it just processes quicker in your body because it's just that perfect balance that um, and, and those principles are super important when it comes to, to fueling and nutrition
0: got it. So, um, so, so it's it's basically three SIS gels, three cis gels over the course of an Icarus. You need three or four then to max out on your, over the course of an hour and a half long race, like three to five gels to maximize the amount of,
1: yeah. And and nobody takes that. I mean, I usually just recommend trying to eat one per lap, you know, which really is only about 40 grams per hour, which I think is fine. You know, if you could get in more, that would be great. I remember one uh, one varsity racer last year, he he just experimented with, like, you know, he took, like, a couple cyst gels per lap and just had the best race of his life, and other people maybe can't handle that much. Um,
0: yeah, like if, you've got, if you know that you have a weak stomach, maybe, like, lean away from, um, you know, trying to pound as many gels as you possibly can because there's some some kind of possible kind of... Uh, What do they uh, they say? Like diminishing rate of return or whatever?
1: Well, what I, so, so a couple of things I suggest when it comes to like practicing fueling is, is I think once a week you should have a workout where you're using your ride fuel. Like you, um, you know, you eat a high carb meal two hours before you, you know, you, you take the, you take a cyst gel, like right before you start the workout, and you try to take, you know, try and take upwards of 40 to 60 grams per hour of that workout. And that would be like a really hard interval workout. And this does two really good things. One is it's going to make the quality of your workout awesome. And you're going to be able to push your limits. You're going to be able to reach new levels of fitness doing that. And two, it's going to help train your gut to be able to tolerate these, these ride fuels better. So that's um,
0: something I, I didn't that like a, a point that we should hit again is that like you have to train fueling as it's like, it's a skill in and of itself. Like if you took a random person off, off the sidewalk and tried to stick them on a bike and feed them all this stuff, like, and you said in the last episode, like pros train themselves to be able to handle greater amounts. So like this oh yeah. should Tr- not pros
1: get up to 120 grams.
0: Wow. That's ridiculous. Yeah like this is not something you should just do on race day. This is something that you have to practice and ideally practice with the same stuff you're going to use on race day. Oh, too. I imagine. Yeah.
1: I mean, I think a lot of people, the only time they ever use SIS is on race day. And I'm like, no, I think you need to use it once a week on your really, on a really hard key workout. Cause it's going to make your workout more awesome. And it's going to just train your gut and your palate to be able to handle this. Um, yeah. So, um, another thing to point out while we're kind of on the subject is I don't think every single ride you need to be fueling it with sis and shot blocks and chews. And, um, you know, if you're not doing race intensity, I, I think that like that using like bread or bananas or,
0: or you're a fan of those King's Hawaiian rolls. Those are, those, those are making repeat appearances in the Draper household these days. well
1: But you know, we only use them for workouts. Hopefully they're,
0: No, that's, that's not true. I had, I had one or two dark moments, right? A couple of those. I'm like, I don't feel good. You know, like those, those are.
1: But yeah, you know, I like to grab one before I hop on the bike. And I mean, it's either that or a gel. It has about, it's going to do about the same thing in my body really, you know. And And it's
0: a practical matter, you know, with as much as people are charging for, you know, like, like cyst gels aren't cheap. You know, it's probably not practical to be totally using those as your only, you know, kind of fueling.
1: Yeah. That's why I say once a week you should fuel it with sis The others, you know, bread, bananas, apples. Apples have a lot of fiber, but on, a, on an easier ride, that's probably okay.
0: We should say there are other gels out there. Um, you know, like we, we happen to think sis are the best again, not sponsored. Well, just because
1: it. they're osmotically balanced.
0: I love how I have to point out that we're not sponsored as if like sis is like, oh yeah, 300 people listen to this podcast. We gotta, we gotta this. We have to be like <laughs> we the Maybird cycling podcast brought to you by sis, you know? Yeah. My, my inbox is not full of sponsorship offers right now. Um, uh, but, but yeah, like there, there are others that just bear in mind that you need water to go with your cliff or hammer gel or whatever it is you're going to use to make it effective. Yeah. But I don't like those. So um, before I get into my list,
1: um, I just want to talk real quick about people with gut issues. I know I know this really plagues a lot of riders represent (laughs) IBS gang. So a couple of things. If, If you do deal with like gut issues, I know a lot of riders really have a hard time eating that meal before the race a lot of the reason for that is quite frankly nerves. I mean, when, when you're in, when you're in stress, your body is kind of designed to take blood away from your stomach and send it to your legs so you can run from a bear or whatever. And if you're trying to eat your breakfast and you're completely stressed out, you don't have enough blood in your gut to process that food well. And I think the best thing there is to learn how to to just maybe meditate, relax, chill out a little bit. I think is gonna is gonna help with that. Um, so that's the first issue. The other the other thing about um, to point out is you leading up to the race, um, some foods can, can kind of help contribute to gut distress, and I'd say the big ones are a lot of fiber. Okay. I mean great every other time of the week but when it's getting close to race day fiber might not be your friend um and then one's like cheese and dairy
0: just harder on your gut I don't yeah know if you, even if you even if you're not lactose intolerant it is a, a harder yeah. load for your gut to take care of so maybe lean But don't don't have bran flakes and milk the morning of your race is what you're saying well you just don't have a lot of
1: the milk you know i mean the quantity you have is greatly going to affect the, the um how it, how it affects you but um, yeah, so I, I would say that stress and, and fiber and dairy are things to kind of avoid when you're getting ready for races. So um, so now here's just, I, I would say just here's some good, I mean, you, this is something you might even want to write down, just kind of a good list of how to get ready for an event, how to fuel for it, and how to fuel during it, Okay. Um, so, so the first one is just throughout your life as your lifestyle. Just eat a lot of healthy carbs like potatoes, sweet potatoes, bananas, fruit, vegetables. These will naturally fill your glycogen stores. It fills them slowly. But if you're, if you're eating lots of these good foods, it's going to kind of keep them topped off and you'll, you'll mostly be ready to go. Um, so that's the first one. So the second one is a couple of days before your race, you start backing off the fiber a little bit. You start backing off the the cheese, the fat, the dairy. Um, You back off the meat a little bit a couple days before the race. The closer you get to the race, the less of that stuff you'll consume. It it gets more and more simple carb as you get closer to the race because that's gonna help prevent a lot of the gut issues you just don't want this big wad of meat bouncing around in your stomach while you're trying to race. It doesn't,
0: doesn't help you much. doesn't help. hilarious, um, like back in the 20s, you know, like you'd smoke a couple cigarettes and have a giant steak and then go win Perry roubaix That's <laughs> that's not where we're at anymore, but, yeah. you know.
1: And so number three is you're going to, as you get closer to the event, you're going to increase your carb intake. And as you get closer, the carbs become more and more simple. Um, rice, potatoes, um, breads
0: pasta pasta
1: yeah all good um eat stuff you enjoy don't make yourself sick but you you want to eat as much as you can you know it's performance you don't do this all year round you don't do it all week long it's um you might be sacrificing a little of a healthy lifestyle just for a day or two which isn't going to matter in the long run all the other good stuff you do makes up for this so um and, and number, uh, number four is just stay hydrated. It's just, um, you know, you can't last minute hydrate for things. You've got to just stay on top of your hydration, make sure your your is the right color, that you just carry a water bottle around with you. Um, just mostly drink when you're thirsty. So number five is about two hours before your event, you're gonna want to eat a purely carbohydrate meal um, pancakes with syrup is, is rocket fuel. Oatmeal is really good. Um, you know, like, like a bagel, if you like that stuff, you you know, just, that's about two hours, but don't make yourself sick, but, but do try to practice this. I mean, that's why I say even practice this, this meal, this is a meal a lot of people struggle with. Um, I would practice this one before a hard interval workout. Um, just, Get used to not only eating these foods on race day. Eat them other times, and 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 experiment and see what works best, what you enjoy the most, what you can eat. I mean, there's some foods I'm able to eat no matter how stressed out I am. Yeah,
0: yeah that's. I, I was kind of the opposite. You know, people are like, oh, I'm so stressed, I can't eat. I'm like, I have the opposite problem. Yeah,
1: I, I'm stressed, so I'm eating. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, I'll save that for my therapist. I'll you know leave that, leave that be for today. Okay. But
1: that, that meal again, like we say, so you do not get that double blood sugar lowering effect. You want that to, you want to time that two hours before you start. Okay. But about 10 minutes before you, so while you're staging, have, have food with you. And about 10 minutes before you start, take a cyst, maybe take two if you can practice this when you're doing intervals. Okay. Cause a lot of people get so nervous before race start, they, they struggle with being able to to take the, that SIS right before the race, practice that because you absolutely do need that. That's super important. And then just try to get at least one full SIS in per lap. Okay. You don't, you can do it at the feed zone. A lot of times we hand riders and the SIS is open at the feed zone. I notice people like take a teeny little squirt and throw it. I try and get the whole thing in. And I mean, this is one of those things where up to a point more is better.
0: Um, you, I, I doubt any of you will ever be at risk of overfueling during a race. I don't think that's a problem you'll run into. Don't worry about that. You will, you will under fuel. Yeah. Anything.
1: Well, well, cause as a side note, like it is impossible to replace the calories you are consuming when you're riding at this pace. Like even if you're doing the 90 grams per hour that's still only like 350 calories per hour. And you're yeah, burning, you're burning, a, you're like,
0: comfortably burning like a thousand calories yeah, an hour during like a Niger race. You're
1: going to be at a deficit no matter what. Yeah. And you know, and if, if you can fuel during the ride, you're just going to have less of a deficit to make up later, which means you can be training earlier. So, um,
0: which does like make a difference, you know, where there's a couple weeks between races and stuff. And it's such a lot, like we've discussed the kind of like difficulties of the Nike season in particular, and how like you either will come into it with less than optimal fitness or finish it with less than optimal finish. Like making sure that these races don't completely annihilate you for a whole week that like you can get back on, you know, Tuesday instead of Thursday. Like, oh, it that, makes a huge difference. That That's cumulatively a lot of time over the course lost. of the season makes a huge, huge difference. Yeah. Being yeah. able
1: to recover quickly from these races is, is huge. Yeah.
0: Not a marginal gain.
1: So. Um, so while you're at. Yeah. So to try and do at least one sis per lap um, hydrate with an isometric drink, scratch. And remember, like your food is in your pocket, your hydration's in your bottle. I don't like mixing them in it. And really from a, from a hydration and a cooling standpoint, mixing a, a high, a high octane beverage, what is, is doesn't help you. So, um, so your, your drink should be like, like scratch has just a really good ratio of carbs to sodium. Um, it's going to hydrate you better, you know, just stay hydrated and and drink to thirst. Um, you know, if you, if you, you you don't have to force it down if you're not thirsty, but if you're a little bit thirsty, take a drink and, and drink frequently throughout the, don't just drink once during the lap. Just grab your bottle on a climb, take a little sip frequently. It's going to help keep your temperature low and and keep your blood volumes high.
0: Because I've caught myself doing it. Like when we did, uh, when we read the, the trigger course last year, I caught myself getting kind of lazy. I'm like, oh, it's rocky. I don't want to get my bottle out. And then I get to the point where I was ridiculously thirsty. And when I finally had the opportunity to drink, I drink like three quarters of a bottle. And then I've got like a swimming pool sloshing around in my stomach. Like, don't. Yeah, stay don't do on that. top of the hydration. Yeah.
1: And um, so the last one, number nine, in and we're gonna do like a whole a whole episode on this is, is as soon as you're done, try to replace, try to try to have a recovery drink or, or take a gel at the end of your race. Like do eat a cyst when you're like, when you're in the, the finishing zone where people are congratulating, you, throw down a cyst right there. Um, your, your glute four transporters are still open about 10, 15, 20, you know, minutes after a hard workout, you're going to replace your glycogen level so much faster than if you wait 30 minutes. So, so have your recovery carbs immediately after your race. And then as soon as you can, after have a more like a healthy meal. And and here's where you can start doing like meats and proteins and fibers and good for you stuff. Um, it won't matter if you're a little gassy at that point, but, but yeah, so that's my list. Um, I think it's something that, that everyone could probably improve a little bit on. and, And there's just, just so many places that that you can improve and get faster just from from how you fuel.
0: And and again, this is the fattest, juiciest, lowest hanging fruit there is. Like this is not and I've I've caught myself thinking so many times like, eh, that's whatever I don't really feel like eating, I'm too nervous, or like, oh, you know, like if if you care about your results just do this do like 100 percent. do this stuff don't this is not something you can kind of kick by the wayside eh, whatever you know like this is a huge yeah i've deal.
1: got a carbon bar i don't need to worry about fueling
0: yeah exactly you know i've, I've got shimano s fires you know I'm, I'm i'm good to go right you know like it's it's yeah like do this and then like um you know if if you have questions if there's a particular aspect or a complicating factor if you're diabetic or something you need to figure something out like like, look into it, figure it out again. This is not marginal. Like, this is something that will improve your results noticeably. You know, it's not like, oh, you know, oh, I did a little power test and I had four extra watts. Like, we're talking, I bet there are kids who could be top 10 varsity if they figured out their fueling.
1: Oh, yeah. It's, you suck when you're bonked. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a- avoiding bonking and, and, and just having the maximum amount of fuel available. Um, it, it, makes it more fun. It makes it so you recover faster. It makes you faster. It's, uh, yeah.
0: Any, any other segues we need? Is that all she wrote? I think we're good. All right, folks, as always, you know, where to send questions. Uh, if anybody else feels like sponsoring us, we'll, you know, we can talk offline about that. Um, if you, if you have wealth management needs, you know where to go now. And, uh, we look forward to talking to you guys next week.